0: Hey, we love it that you guys are all here. I'm Bill Stevens, one of the pastors. Come on, let's stand up together. Hey, we want you guys to, I wanna ask you something that I never asked anybody. What are you doing here? It's it's eight degrees below zero, but you guys have, have braved the weather and have come in to worship God together today, and we love it that you have. For all of you that are online right now, and we know we've got a lot of you online right now today, Here's what I want you to do. Go grab your favorite cup. get Put some coffee in there. Put some orange juice in there. Go get your Bible, because we're going to be spending time in the Word today. Find your your most comfy blanket that you own and then settle in. We're a balmy 59 degrees here in the building, but for you, settle in and just have a great experience with the Lord today. But do this as well. While you're cozy, I want you also expectant that the Lord is gonna work for all of us, that the Lord is going to work today, that God is here. God's got something unique for each one of us. He wants to speak to us. He might want us to move. To stand up. You might be at home and you might go, I got to stand up. I got to sing some songs because the Holy Spirit is working on my heart right now. We know that God's doing that today. Let's worship the Lord together.
1: Oh, it's so good to see your faces today. We invite you to enter in like Bill said. Here we go. Let praise be a weapon that silences
2: Praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety, let it rise.
1: I want to remind you today that worship is not passive, it is active. Something happens when we engage with the living God. We believe that the Spirit of God is here, is active, is moving, wants to speak to you today. And what we do in worship is we say, God, come have your way, come have your way. So would you sing with us?
2: Here
1: as we wait
2: seek you
1: and amazing things can happen when we call upon your name. So God, as we worship you, I pray would you hear our prayers.
0: Father, we are so thankful that we get a chance to to be with you today, to learn from you today, and to be in your presence today. And I I think of those words, holy ground. I think of Moses when he took his shoes off and, and was standing on holy ground because he was standing there in your presence. And to even think that you would be a God that actually creates holy ground right on our hearts that holy ground is 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 right here it's right now that holy ground is 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 a place where healing can happen and holy ground is a place where where life can be found where loneliness can be can be shown love God, we are so thankful that you you give us holy ground right on our hearts where you are present. And we pray that today each one of us would recognize it, would hold on to it, to know how close you are and to know the work that you're doing there. We are thankful for that, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat, everybody. Hey, before Maurice gets up here to preach and, and Maurice is coming to preach today and he's going to, he's going to continue a, a series or actually do a second part to a series that we've been doing um, since January. See, it, it, what we did is in January, we started looking at the, the early church. We, uh, we were Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four people that set out to write about the life of Jesus. And then from that place, Luke continued and started talking about the early church in this book called Acts. Well, we started looking at the early church. We started looking at the Holy Spirit that God introduced us to in Acts. And so we spent some of the last four or five weeks on that. But now what we want to do is take a, a deeper look now into some of the rest of Acts. Acts. We're going to look at a guy named Paul, who Maurice is going to unpack with you guys today, his story, and how Paul ultimately fell in love with who Jesus Christ was, and then took that message to an unexpected world that said, "I'm going to I'm going to help you all to know about this love." And the church, the church just expanded, and 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 the world has never been the same because of it. And so we're going to spend some time. In the next few weeks, looking through some of those journeys, we want to put some pieces together between what was done, uh, w- between what was written in Acts and then the letters that Paul wrote, because Paul was in Ephesus and Paul was in Corinth and he wrote those letters. But that's also what Luke writes about in Acts, and we'll put those pieces together. Maybe some of you that might be a first journey into putting some of those pieces together in the New Testament. So we're really looking forward to that. Maurice is going to get us started with that. But before he does, just a couple of other things. The last few weeks, we've been talking about both Black History Month and this effort that we're doing with the Boulder, the Boulder Valley School District on, on, on putting books into, into the school libraries that would show more diversity than what has been there before. The Boulder Valley School District worked with our missions team on creating a huge list of books that would have better representation. I love the the words window and mirror. There'd be a window into somebody else that might not look like you. And it would also be a mirror for somebody to be able to open up a book and say, Hey, that person looks like me and how powerful that is and how inspiring that is and something that maybe should have been done a long time ago, but we're able to do it now with the Boulder Valley School District. And so if you want to be a part of this really important effort, will you go online, you'll see it right there on our website. You can either donate to it or you can buy a book and we'll make sure that we get it into the libraries of our elementary schools in the Boulder Valley School District. Okay? So, so, so jump on that if you get a chance to. Uh, We also want to talk to you guys about core groups. This is a season for us where we're going to relaunch and get going again more core groups. A lot of you are involved in core groups. These are these are groups of 6, 10 people, whatever that are that are sharing life on life with each other because we recognize that that's where growth really happens. That's where that's where you can dig a little deeper into the word but also you can share life with each other. You can talk to somebody else and say, "Man, isn't it hard to parent these days?" Yes, me too. You can do that and talk to each other about it and that's that's life on life. That's what Jesus was doing doing. He shared with the masses, then he shared with individuals. He got together with a group of 12, and and they just shared life with each other. And that's what we're hoping you guys would do too. If you went online right now, you'd see lots of options, lots of dates, lots of of different um, um, choices that you can have around which core group you might want to get involved in. Consider that. For some of you, that's going to be a courageous step In We Bought a Zoo, uh, there's there's a scene there where he says, man, it takes 20 seconds of extreme courage. This might be your 20 seconds of extreme courage where for the longest time you've said, no, that's not for me. And this one, it might be time for you to share life with somebody else and jump on in there and just try it. Just try it and see what happens, okay? One more thing before we get going with the rest of it. We have talked a, a lot in here about, you know, giving, and we've talked a lot about where we're at financially. We've never shied away from that. We, I'll, I'll let you know where we're at, and in the fall, where we were at and where the need was in our church financially. I've talked to you guys about that before, and it's important for you to know where the need is. But at the same time, we want to make sure that you hear when we share things like that, that there's something else that's just as important. See, we are we we want each one of us to grow deeper and deeper in our relationship with the Lord, for our hearts to be what's called sanctified, to grow more and more into Christ's likeness, and generosity is absolutely a piece of that. We know that God uses generous hearts, and God takes generous hearts. He links generosity with hope. He links generosity with thankfulness. We see God doing things when when He sees okay people's hearts are ready to be cultivated. And it happens in a lot of ways through generosity. And we love that. See, you might be giving to a need both in the church and outside the church, but just as important is what God's doing on your heart. And God loves that playground to be able to work in. So let's continue to be generous people with whatever the need is in and outside of the church, okay? Well, one of the things that one of the ways that 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 we use what you give because you give to the mission of the church is to bless other people. And and we've got this really cool idea. Chris, Chris Sturgeon is our is our congregational care pastor. He's up here singing today, but he's he's uh, he, he had this great idea to to help bless a part of our church that really needs it in this season. Will you listen to Chris and what he has to share? And then Mo is going to come up and preach for us.
3: Hey, parents, as I've been moving into my new role as care pastor, I haven't been able to stop thinking about who are some of the groups of people in our church who have had the hardest time over these last whole bunch of months. And I can't help but keep continuing to come back to people who are trying to work, trying to parent, trying to homeschool, trying to manage way too many things at the same time. And then I've been racking my brain trying to think, how can we help? We got a few things in the works, but I'm really excited to tell you about uh, something we're gonna roll out just this week. And, And here's the deal. If you are a parent of kids who you cannot leave home alone, we are gonna offer you a free babysitting voucher. I know because of COVID, we've, we all have a limited amount of people we let in our homes and our lives. So, so I can't like invite you to bring your kids here and we'll watch them for you. But what we will do is we will pay for two hours of babysitting so that you can do whatever you wanna do. If that's go out and read a book in a uh, coffee shop, if it's go on a date, if it's just sit silently in your car and cry for an hour, you do you. But we see you, we understand how hard this has been. So if you wanna take us up on that offer, you're just gonna email me at uh, ascentcc.org and just say, sign me up. I've got 50 two hour uh, babysitting vouchers. We will put the cash in your hand to pay the babysitter of your choice so that you can make a night for yourself.
4: Well, good morning, Ascent. We hope that all of you get a chance to at least consider or to take advantage of that awesome opportunity. Hey, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Maurice. I am one of the teaching pastors here on staff. I also have the awesome opportunity of working with college and young adults, um, and my wife and I are directors in that arena. So uh, shout out to the college and young, young adults in the room. I feel like my young vibe is all over this direction right here, but a little bit of this direction as well. Um, Uh, So shout out to all of you. It's been an amazing journey uh, walking with some of you. And uh, last semester was a tough one. So I just want to let you know that we love you and that we see you. Um, As we get started today, my name is, like I said, Maurice. Some people call me Mo, but beyond any of those titles, I hold one of the greatest titles of being a husband to my amazing wife, Aisha, amazing, intelligent, Christ-following wife that I adore so much. Uh, And in our family, we love love. So on this day of love, Uh, I would be remiss if I did not shout out to my uh, amazing girlfriend, boo, future baby mama, like all of the things, okay? So shout out to you. Happy Valentine's Day, my love, okay? Uh, Go ahead and clap for some love. Amen for love. I'm gonna get my kudos when I get my kudos. I'm gonna just say that right there, okay? I woke up this morning playing Teddy Pendergrass just to set the love environment, okay? Young people, y'all don't even know what Teddy Pendergrass is. That just went over your head, okay? But listen, today is not about Maurice's love life. Today is another day. It's another amazing day. And I think it's pretty special because we get a chance to start a new series on today. For the past few weeks, we have been in a series called Where Do We Grow From Here? We want to start this year off because we started off with thinking to ourselves in this season of transition and all of these different things If this year is going to be a year that we lean into as a church, it's going to take some growth independently, but also corporately. So we start looking at what does it mean to be the church? We had a collection of talks of what that actually meant. It was around this whole idea of when we say church and when Jesus said, I will build my church, my ecclesia, my movement, doesn't mean the same thing when we say church. Or, we got to come to grips with. There are some things that we got to reorient in our lives so that we can align with what it really means to be the church. And we started to unpack that and start to discover and recognize that what the Bible tells us, it shows us this ancient text is that there is a priesthood of all believers, which simply means that, yes, you are a pastor of your home and your house and your children and the area and wherever you may be, wherever you may go. You shepherd, you do all of those things in your world. And so how do you take what we talk about here and beyond just a Sunday morning checkbox and actually be the church? Because being the church does not happen only in this moment. It happens majority of the time outside these four walls. So a few of the topics that we talked about uh, in the start of the new year is what does it mean to pay attention to the Holy Spirit? And that book of Acts that Bill mentioned a little bit earlier, it's a doctor by the name of Luke that writes this, uh, his firsthand account of all the things that he's seeing happening in the first century church. And it's this explosion of what we see happening, miraculous signs and this spontaneous miracles and the Holy Spirit, God's presence, his breath in the earth impacting our world. So we start talking about what does it mean to pay attention to the Holy Spirit? We talked about what does it mean to take a step of courage? What does it mean to be courageous in our time? We talked about what does it mean to care for those, for people that are around us and in our world and loving our neighbor. We talked about what does it mean to be devoted to prayer? Because if we're going to be a people committed to Christ, we got to have communication with him. So we went over a lot of those different things and those collection of talks. If you want to get a chance to go look at those, it's really awesome because this next segment that we're going into, all of them build upon each other. So within this book of Acts, this Dr. Luke is writing all of these things. And around chapter 13, we see a pivot. We see a turn. We see a new direction that the scripture is taking us. And today, I want to start leaning into what that means. Our new series is where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? We call it a little bit of a road trip because we're going to take a road trip. And we're starting to see the road trip that this guy named Paul is starting to embark on he starts to go on these different missionary journeys and all of these different things. And today, what I like about today is that there's gonna be some foundation that I have to lay, for, excuse me, for the next few weeks, some, some groundwork that I have to do. So it's gonna be a lot of more information than it is inspiration. But we also have to recognize that that's important and it's necessary for us to somewhat sit in the scripture, for us somewhat to just sit still and marinate, if you will, of what is it that God is communicating to us through this text. So today, as I laid some of that foundation and go in, in that direction, this road trip that we're talking about, we're going to be looking at the life of this guy named Paul. And where do we go from here? We're looking at this moment in history where the gospel, the good news of Jesus actually is starting to spread because the gospel is not the gospel if it does not move. So we recognize that. And this guy named Paul is going to be the one that encourages us on today. I want to show you who Paul is because today there's going to be two different categories that I'm going to be speaking to, two different main ideas, I should say. Today we're going to be talking about who is Paul and what do we learn from Paul's first mission. Who is Paul? What do we learn from Paul's first mission? Gonna have some worship after that, and then we're gonna get out of here on this day of love because I got to get back to Teddy Pendergrass. Okay, all right. Not enough jokes about love. Seriously though. Um, So who is Paul and uh, what are we going to get into today around uh, who Paul is? I want to talk to you about who is Paul. Who is Paul? The reason I thought this was going to be important to start off with, because for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about Paul. We're going to be quoting Paul. Paul said this. Paul did this. Paul wanted to do this. Paul was all about this. And here at Ascent, just so that you can have some clarity around this, we want to always create a church and a culture that is not full of assumptions, we don't wanna be a church that is full of assumptions. It's actually a metric of ours that every so often we start to ask the question, where did we assume things? Where did we assume people knew something and they probably did not know? You know, when where do we assume, where do we start talking more Christianese than we did basic human English? Where do we start assuming things where we start name dropping, we start throwing out scriptures, we start doing all these different things And we're not actually helping people and guiding them to what it actually is. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be saying so much about Paul, but it begs the question, who is Paul? So because we're not going to be a church full of assumptions, I want to lean into that idea. I want to talk about who Paul is. Paul, if we start out with just a little bit of who he is and some of the recognition that he has, is an amazing man. It's this guy that, that we see in Scripture, but he didn't always have a life or relationship with Jesus. But if I were to ask you, for those of you at home, if I were to ask you, who's the most influential person on Christian world, Christian history, Christendom outside of Jesus, who would you say? Who would you write down? All right, I got some responses. Wow, okay, I love that. Uh, I'm talking about Paul, right? But I want you to, you know, think about that for yourself. Would you say Peter? Would you say Sarah? Some would actually say Paul. There's a lot of different names that you can throw out there of who's the most influential outside of Jesus. I think there's a lot of debate that can take place. But when we look at Paul's life, which I'm about to lay out in detail, I think we start to see that next to Jesus— Paul and his life and legacy on the Christian world his influence has stood the test of time beyond ages after ages after ages Paul some theologians say that if you line up the uh, on a scale you put the soul of Paul and you put all of humanity on that scale his soul outweighs all of humanity Paul was one who was well-versed in Scripture. He knew all about Scripture. He sat under a man by the name of Gamaliel. This is his uh, professor or the person that he sat under and learned from. He was a prodigy of this man named Gamaliel. Who's Gamaliel? Well, let me lay the groundwork a little bit. Stick with me here. Gamaliel, if I were to say I sat under a person, um, you know, and studied physics and I had this awesome professor, and then you ask the question, well, what professor did you sit under? And I was like, Albert Einstein. That's the name. That's the weight that Gamaliel's name held. So Gamaliel is one amazing person, but right under him, his prodigy is Paul. So he's well versed in the scripture. He's a religious devout man. He's one who sat under an amazing professor. He's not only, or a thought thinker, I should say, not only those things, he was one that had his own business. Paul was one who was a tent maker. He was one that only had his own business, but he was one that was well known. No one could touch Paul. In that day and age, it really meant something. It may not be politically correct today, but if you were a purebred Jewish person, if no one, that means pretty much in your lineage, you can trace it all the way back and there's no sort of, uh, uh, there's no sort of mixture, there's no sort of uh, Samaritan or you know, Gentile blood in your lineage. He was a full-blood Jewish man of the tribe of Benjamin. These are accolades. So if you were to say, you know, today's time, if we try to make it relevant, right? Like, who's the greatest of all time? And Michael Jordan or LeBron? Or like that LeBron. But anyways, like if you were to say, you would line up these stats, right? You would start talking about the stats of these things. I see a few people getting upset that I just said that. But if you would line up these stats around who's this, and this is the greatest of all time, well, who the record? Most defensive player, most MVP, right? All of these things. That's what Paul is doing in this moment. He's starting to recognize and start to show all of his accolades, being a pure Jewish man, a religious man, a devout man. But Paul was not always Paul. When we first meet Paul in the book of Acts, his actual name is actually Saul at the time. He has this conversion, then his name is Paul afterwards. But I want to sit still in that moment of recognizing a little bit of Paul's story. There's this amazing pastor down in Texas by the name of Bishop T.D. Jakes. A lot of my life, I model after him and love his ministry Big church, a lot of things that he's done, been on the face of Time magazine. And one of the things that he says all the time is that you see my glory, but you don't know my story. Alluding to this idea that you see the results of a thing, you see the aftermath, you see the success, you see my face, you know, plastered everywhere, but you don't know the sacrifices that I had to make. You don't know the things that my family had to go through so that I could get here. You see my glory, but you don't know my story. And to fully grasp who Paul is, to fully understand the weight of Paul's words, if we're going to be talking about him for the next five or six weeks, I think it's important for us to do the best that we can to grasp hold of his story. So when we meet this guy named Saul, we meet him in Acts chapter 7, verse 57. It says these words right here. I'm going to give you a context afterwards, but it says this. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. What's happening in this moment? This guy named Stephen, he's a deacon in the church. He's starting to stand up and he's starting to say, I follow Jesus. This is the way. This is the way. This is my creator. Jesus has saved. He's died on our account. He was innocent when you persecuted him, but I am a follower of Jesus. He's simply proclaiming that he's a follower of Jesus. Simply based on those words, Paul is Saul at the time is a person who's going and killing Christians, Stephen meets Saul at this moment, and Saul orders the execution of Stephen. Simply based on him saying, I am a follower of Jesus, and Saul at that moment orders this execution. So what is it saying here? What's it detailing? It's showing us that when they take off their coats, they're laying it at the feet of Saul, symbolizing that he is the one in charge. He is the one that's calling all the shots. Saul, at this moment, is sitting back. And let me give you some context if I haven't already. He's doing this in the name of God. Persecuting people who are Christ followers, Christians, in the name of God. I want to slow down right here just for a second because what we see in Paul's life that I think is important for us to recognize is that Paul was full of religion and no relationship. And Ascent community church, I want to be encouraged, I want to encourage you just for a second and be very clear that if you're a person seeking religion, ascent is gonna make you very uncomfortable. If you're a person longing to have religion in your life, ascent is gonna be a place of discomfort. Because what we know for sure and very clear is that what Jesus did not do is come all the way from heaven to die on a cross for religion. Rules and regulations without any sort of relationship. No, 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 no. We at Ascent, this culture and community that we are creating are people longing and seeking Relationship. How deceptive is religion when you're trying to do something in the name of God and you're persecuting Christians along the way? Religion has a way of blinding us to certain things. Paul, in this moment, just if you could sit yourself in this text, in this moment where he's sitting back as he's ordered this death to take place with his arms folded and they drop their coats at his feet and he's sitting there satisfied, full of pleasure, knowing this is his order that just took place. Because he's doing it in the name of God. Religion has a way of being so deceptive that you will miss Jesus but think you're religious. Religion has a way of seeping in and making sure that we miss the mark. And I think what we have to detail in Saul's life is that Jesus is about relationship, not religion. And I think we gotta be very careful that if we miss out on what Jesus is showing us here, if we miss out on what's taking place in Paul's life, we might be people who go around checking the box because we decided to go to church, we gave a little money, we did all of the aesthetic things when it came to Christianity, but there's no depth, there's no relationship. We see this when we look at certain scriptures and Jesus, you say, as it talks about in the Bible, where people have done all these things and they get to heaven and they make it to Jesus' feet and they say, look at all that we've done, Jesus. And he says, I don't even know you. But we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons. We, 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 we sold all of our possessions. We went to worship night. We did all of these things. We, we decided to do these things, check the box, because it felt good on a Sunday morning to come for an hour. And then, you know, we just left, you know, because we like to compartmentalize our life, right? Jesus, you can have an hour, but everything else is mine. So look at all the things I did. I gave to that toy shop. Jesus, remember that? And all the while, he's sitting there, and the words detail that he's not longing for stuff for you to do, if you do a bunch of stuff and have no relationship, you're a person full of religion and not relationship, you're a Saul and not a Paul. This is important for us to hold on to. Now, I know we're walking on eggshells right now. The room is real quiet. Y'all good? Let's do a little check for the room real quick. We all good? I know we went deep for a second. All right, there we go. We're solid. We're solid. At home? You good at home? Okay. Give me a thumbs up out there. We went deep for a moment, but this is what we learned from Paul's life. Not only that, Saul does not stay Saul because Jesus has a plan for this man's life. So when I say Saul and I say Paul, they're the interchangeable. You're going to see that there's a name change that takes place, and we see that in chapter 9. Let's read these verses right here. Acts chapter 9, verse 3. As he, Saul, was approaching Damascus on this mission, another mission to go kill another Christian, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I think this response right here from Saul is so important for us to pause. He says, who are you? Saul, in this moment, is deciding to do his own thing. Once again, he's living life according to way that Saul's terms and conditions. He's going about life, doing things that he desires to do, thinking that he's hitting the mark, thinking that he's doing all the right things. And in this moment, Jesus has a way of disrupting his own agenda, his plans. He thought he was doing something. He thought he was going to be going about life, doing his own thing, having his own parties, whatever it may look like. And Jesus steps in and shows him at this moment that my love for you is so great and I have a plan for you, but I need you to know why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this to me? Because whenever you are doing things to people who are followers of Jesus, you are doing that unto him. So he asked him in this question, and Paul's response, who are you? I think it's very important for those of us at home as we think about that question, who are you? I think maybe you've been there before recognizing who is this Jesus? Maybe you've been a person who's been invited to church before, and you came because you wanted to do a friend a favor, and you just came. You decide, okay, I'm going to go ahead and give up my, one of my Sunday mornings You went about your day doing your own thing, and ever since then, for whatever reason, there's a curiosity of wondering, who are you? Who is this Jesus that we speak of that a community of people are so passionate about that they give up their time, their money, and their resources? Who is this Jesus person? You ever been in a situation where you recognize or people starting to take notice of your life and they're saying something's different about you, something's a little bit odd with how you live your life? What what, what is that? Who, who, who is this Jesus person that you're talking about? Paul, in this moment, is thinking to himself, who, who are you that you've disrupted my plans? Who are you that you have enough power and authority to knock me off my high horse literally and humble me to the point where I'm asking the question, who, who are you? Maybe you're a person out there right now, and you're spiritually curious, and you're starting to find out there's these things that's happening in your world, and you can't shake the feeling of recognizing, who is this person? I have a friend back home who says that Jesus came into my life, and the moment that he did, I didn't really believe all the stuff. But ever since I did, I couldn't really shake this idea of a person loving me beyond my faults. My friend goes on to say, the way that I sinned, I couldn't even sin the way that I used to sin anymore because it's just something about when he took hold of me. Who are you, Paul says. And Jesus' response is what shows us his deep love. Let's look at what Jesus says in this moment. And the voice replied, I am Jesus. Very clear, very clear. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. But he doesn't hold him there. He says in verse 6, Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Jesus, in this moment, tells him exactly who he is, and then he calls Paul to a mission. He gives Paul a calling on his life to move from where he is. So let's answer the question for a moment as we look at Paul's life. I think it's very important that from here on out, the lens that we look at Paul's life through is a lens of a person with a story. Because who exactly is Paul? Paul is loved. Paul is embraced. Paul in the sight of God is enough. But Marius, what about his story? What about all the things that he did? See, we have a tendency to compare our lives to each other. I got my struggles. I think, I, you know, I've got some anger issues. But listen, I'm not murdering nobody. Mo, check that out. That guy, whoo, send him to the back. I know I got some issues, I got some flaws. I'm not the best husband, look, but I'm not around here murdering nobody. I'm not around here taking people in chains and bonding them up to, and dragging them for miles to court. Did you know what Paul did, Maurice? Look, if I had the choice, I wouldn't choose him to be a part of my family. We wouldn't be choosing, no Paul. Look, at home, are you choosing Paul? I don't think you're choosing Paul to be a part of your family. And I think what we identify in Paul's life, what we recognize is that we're not comparing one to another. Don't get caught up because that'll only build self righteousness. What Jesus lets us know is how do you add up compared to me? Because there's creator and there's creation, there's father and there's son and daughter. Don't get it twisted. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And isn't this relieving for some of us in the room? Recognizing that we got to go home with ourselves, and if we really be honest, I mean, like, if we really be honest, we know the deep heart, uh, hidden secrets of our life. We know the mask that we carry, that all of our friends wear, and we know that we, we, we walk around with a certain version of ourself. Some of us in the room, we recognize the things that we go home and watch, and we don't have no business watching, but we do that in secret and in hiding. The things that we say to people because nobody will know, the things that we do because it'll never really get out, the things that we keep hidden, the things that we keep a little bit more secret and close to us that nobody knows, it's relieving to know that God would choose a person like Paul. Because there's a little bit of Paul in all of us. Let's be correct. There's a little bit of Saul in all of us. And what do we learn from Paul's life? Let's be very clear. No one is beyond the saving grace of Jesus. No one is beyond the saving grace of Jesus. For you at home, I'm going to say it one more time. No one is beyond the saving grace of Jesus. No one. His grace is not too far, and for all of us in the room, we should recognize, even if you're not a person that's a murderer, you're a person that recognizes there's some brokenness within me. There's some flaws that I bring to the table, and he'll accept that. You sure right. He'll take me just as I am. I'm talking about all of you, baby. He'll take you just as you are, just as you come to the table, because he knows you. He's equipped you, and you're an image bearer, and he wants to have a relationship with you. This is what we learn from Paul's life, that no one is beyond the saving grace of Jesus. Saul needed that same grace, and Maurice needed that same grace. And if you be honest, you need that same grace. And this is Paul's life. Why is this important for us today? Because for the next few weeks, we're going to be quoting Paul for six weeks now. We're going to be talking about Paul's life, his impact, all the things that he did. But let us remember the words of Bishop TD. You see the glory, but do you know the story? And that's what this morning is all about. To set the groundwork, to recognize there's a story from this person. So when we start quoting Paul and we start talking about, look at the missionary journeys that he's been on and look at all the things that Paul has done, we can sit back and recognize if a person as wretched as Paul was can be called by God, chosen to a work, maybe there's some room for me as well. That's the first thing that we learn from who's Paul, who Paul is. The second thing, as we take a little bit of a turn, what do we learn from Paul's missionary journey. His first missionary journey. Chapter 13 and 14 is what I'm gonna be sitting in. Where do we learn from Paul's first missionary journey? I'm gonna be sitting in, if you're reading your Bible, if you're taking notes at home, I'm gonna be sitting in chapter 13 and 14. Verse, uh, chapter 15 is all about this amazing debate in this council where they come together and make a strong decision. It's an important story. I think you should really read that. Chapter 16 is all about Paul and this guy named Silas that are in jail. And God breaks them out in a miraculous way, things that you can really lean into of how God is working in that first century church. And chapter 17 is where our pastor Bill is going to pick up next week. So but for us, 13 and 14 is where I start to think and start to resonate that his first missionary journey is where I think we have something to learn from. I brought up this map that I was was studying uh, Paul's journey, and I started to look at all the places that he went to. He started to go to these different uh, cities where he would go to the city named Lystra or Derbe or Iconium. And that red arrow is him taking his first journey all the way. He kind of hooks it around into Galatia. And then that second blue arrow is him making his way back. This is all the first missionary journey. He goes all the way in, hooks it, then he comes all the way back. And I think it's important, and it's not going to be a long time of recognizing what Paul's uh, life, we can learn from his first missionary journey, is that Paul, it started out in the ancient text where Jerusalem and the Jewish people of faith were the people and the place that were people that are accepted by God, people that were um, able to be followers of God. When Jesus comes, he says, I'm coming and I'm dying for all, no matter who you are, no matter what your background is. When he dies, he goes to earth, he's resurrected, he goes uh, to heaven. After that moment, it's for every single person. But for whatever reason, it's still locked up right now under the assumption that it's for Jewish people in Jerusalem. So in this moment, what we see Paul doing is his own life and his own story. What he does in that moment is he begins to spread the gospel. He begins to go to different places. He begins to push against the boundaries and cross socioeconomic lines and ethnic lines and these boundaries that were once there. And he moves into these other places because the gospel is not the gospel if it does not go. Go. There's this is pastor in Riverside, California, by the name of Pastor Greg Laurie, an amazing pastor. He says one of the greatest things, the messages that you will ever hear, no matter what the altar call is, no matter what the thing is that you signed up for or core group, the greatest message that you will ever hear is the message, Go. Because after hearing all of the information, at some point you have to get up from your seat. And this is the same message that Jesus said on his way to the cross. He says, all that I want you to do as I leave this earth is go and make disciples, followers of Jesus. This is important for us. And what does this mean for us today? Well, I think it's important for us to recognize that God's plan in the earth for people to continue to experience his love is for you to say something. And I think it's important because we start to live our life a certain way and it's like Maurice, I live in such a way and we are walking epistles, right? I think that's very important. People take notice of how we live and how we love others. But there's a both and because we also see God pressing us in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, encouraging us to speak. No matter where you go, as you start to read the scripture and you go home and you do some studying yourself, you'll see that Paul, he got up and he went to this city and he spoke the message. He spoke the message of Jesus. He went to this city and he did the same thing. The message was the same wherever he went. Jesus is good. The good news, this is for every person, no matter who you are. Jesus is good. The good news, no matter who you are. He'd go to Thessalonica. He'd go to Athens and he's bringing the same message. And when people would press against him, not only did he have the message of Jesus, but he had his story. And I think for some of us, we sit in our situation and we think to ourselves, well, what am I going to say? We live in a world where spirituality is kind of okay, it's kind of accepted, but at some point, we can't just be private Christian, closet Christians. Where we think to ourselves, listen, I'm going to just be good on this Sunday, that's fine and dandy. But I ask all the time, I ask all the time, people that I'm walking with, do your friends know that you're Christian? Does the girl that you're dating know that you're Christian? I mean, if this really means something to you, like if you're really living into this life, it's going to come a point where we have to voice. And maybe you're wondering, what is it that I say? What is it? I'm going to be faced with some opposition. Of course you're going to be faced with opposition. Jesus was faced with opposition. But what if they don't accept what I'm saying? They didn't accept what Jesus said. But what about the person who's sitting in their Saul story and they do hear what you're saying. The good news is not the good news if it does not go. And what we learn from Paul's life is that we are people that are called to mission. We are people that are called to move and to say something, to voice something. How do I do that? How do you say all of these things, Maurice? How do you go about this? It's not just for people with a mic standing on a stage. It's for all of us. And no matter where you are, no matter where you go, for those of you at home, you have your story. You have your story. I can only imagine when they're thinking and sitting back and recognizing who Saul is, he's saying, listen, let me tell you about a man named Saul. Maurice, where do I start? What do you, well, how about you start with who you once was? How about you start with what Jesus did for you? old school church, we call it our testimony. What did Jesus do for you? Saul, no matter where he goes, no matter where he steps, he says, let let me tell you, there was once a man named Saul who used to do these things, who lived life in a certain way and thought that he was doing all the right things. There was once a man named Maurice who lived a certain life. Well, back home in church, we would say BC, before Christ. But let me tell you, I was on my Damascus road and something took place that day that was a defining moment for me. We all have a defining moment. We all have a moment where Jesus interrupted and we were never the same and we all have something, a story to tell. And maybe you're a person that's on your Damascus road. I'm here to tell a story that there was a wretched man by the name of Maurice. And by the grace of God, his life was changed for the better. There is your name as well. Let me tell you about a fill in the blank. That's where you start, that's what it looks like. Because when we live a life on mission, we live a life in purpose. When we live life on mission, we live a life purpose. What does it mean living life on mission? Well, that's the question. That's the question that I want you to ask yourself today. That's the question that I want you to lean into. Because what we see in scripture is that the gospel, the good news was taken to the farthest places, the farthest corners of the earth. And when people received it, they received it with joy, with gladness. The message was for the misfits, the outsiders, those who thought they would never be apart. you talking about me? Wait, wait, wait. You know my story and you still want me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, oh wait, wait. You mean to tell me you understand all the things that I just laid out to you and you still accept me for who I am? You still love me right where I am? This is the goodness that Jesus brings to us because we say we love unconditionally, but at most of us, we will recognize, all of us, if we're really honest, well, there's a point that a person can get to where we want to let our hands go. We want to throw our hands up in the air, and it's beyond all of the work and love that I can do. Jesus says, I'll go the extra mile. I'll take the extra step because you're worth dying for. When we live life on purpose, when we live life on mission, we live life in purpose. There's one last question that I want to ask all of you. As the band makes their way to the stage, as we close out today's talk, I have just one question. As we begin to think about what this means for us, we talked about Paul's life and We talked about the background and sitting in that scripture of recognizing Saul's journey and that his saving grace is for every single one of us. As we sit in that moment of recognizing this is something that is inclusive, but it's not just for us to receive that grace and do nothing. It's for us to also live life on mission. The question becomes, what is your next step? What's the next step look like for you? There's going to be moments in this next series that we're on, as we talk about where do we go from here, where we do a little bit of handholding, we do a little bit more of walking alongside you to to help you discover these different these different moments in your own walking, in your own story. But there's going to be this one, and I think there may be a few others after this, where we throw something out there to you that we want you to sit. Excuse me, we want you to sit with. We want you to wrestle with that question. And in your own time, as you're driving down the street, go ahead and turn down the radio and begin to wrestle with the question, what's my next step? If my life is supposed to be a life that's on mission, what does the next step look like for me? Is that an area of forgiveness? Maybe that's an area of finding out more of what justice means. Maybe your next step is the next step of finding community because you don't need to walk in this walk alone. Maybe your next step is exactly what Aisha talked about last week of my intentional next step towards prayer. What is my next step? Because we're not called to be a people that are stagnant. We're not called to be people that are just sitting around. If we are gonna be a community of people that take that first century church as the, a prime example. We have to be a people that move. We have to be a people that speak. We have to be a people that live in such a way. We have to be a people that are all about the next step. Where is my next step? And whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, whether you're a person who knows Jesus or you're a person that's seeking Jesus, what I know for sure is there's is a next step for you. None of us have arrived. And the beauty of the next step is it's actually in the next step that we sense God's presence. It's in that next step that we hear the Holy Spirit's still small voice. It's in our steps, no matter how small or how big, that we get to recognize, that we get to see clearly, that we get to move from a Saul to a Paul, that we get to live life on mission. So ascent, I ask the question, What is your next step? Take that question and I hope you embrace and wrestle a little bit what that is. And what I can guarantee is that no matter whatever your next step is, Jesus is in that next step. If we have the eyes to see and the hearts to hear, let us pray. Lord, in this moment, as we sit here, whether at home or in this room, we've come together collectively, seeking, longing, desiring, wrestling, sitting, standing, walking, no matter what our posture is, you know what it is. And your grace, your saving grace has come for every single one of us. And in this moment, We can't help but to sense that you're calling us to live out that salvation, live out that saving grace that you've come and that you've given every single one of us. But we need help with that. We need help with what that looks like. So whether you deliver that to us individually or that we find that next step in community, we need that next step. Because it's when we live life on mission that we live life in purpose. Help us. As you've called us to this next step, help us, Holy Spirit. Hear your voice and sense your nudging. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
1: Friends, we're gonna worship together in really kind of put an exclamation mark on the words that Marie shared with us today. This song is truly a prayer, so I invite you to engage with it. Would you stand with us as we go to God together? It goes like this. God, I. Love
0: right. Hey, well, thank you for sharing your Sunday with us. You guys, let's remember this. Nothing and nobody is beyond the saving grace and the saving work of Jesus. That is a truth that we we want everyone to let sink in, that it would go beyond just your head. We might say we know it, but it goes beyond just our head. And it even goes beyond our hearts to say we feel it. It goes beyond there too. We let it sink in all the way to our feet that we take a step with that truth. And we take a step towards somebody else to share that truth. That we would be the witnesses of this love that Jesus has for me and that that would be the thing that would make me step towards something else man let that sink in and let it make you move if you guys want prayer if any of you need prayer would you come up here to the front there'll be some people here that will pray for you any of you online that need prayer would you go to our website and just there's a button on there you can just submit a prayer request and our prayer team will take it from there also if you get a chance will you go online and if you haven't answered prayer If you have part of your story that you want to share that would inspire somebody else, man, this is a story that God wants us to share. So there's a spot on the website, too, that you can go on to, even you guys online right now. Push that button on there and just say, man, I want to share some of my story so that other people can be inspired by what God's doing in my life. Man, let's share that together. That's taking that step. It's the truth. It's the love of Jesus in our life. We're so thankful that we got to share it with you today. You guys go home, stay warm, and we will see you next Sunday. Take care.